0: Live from our man caves in Virginia Beach, this is MLS Gone Wild, where Blem and Mike D. bring you the latest news, rumors, analytics, predictions, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get it going, Blem.
1: Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 6 of MLS Gone Wild. This is your host, Blem.
0: Hey, hello, how are you? This is your co-host, Mike D.
1: This episode will conclude our MLS Supporters Group miniseries. Over the past two weeks, we've had the pleasure of interviewing members of Austin FC supporters group, Austin Anthem, and the pride of FC Cincinnati. On today's episode of MLS Gone Wild, we are joined by the founder of the Columbus Speaks Community Organization and member of the Columbus Crew Supporters Group, NORDECA. Ty Phillips, welcome to MLS Gone Wild.
2: You know, hey, hey guys, it's good to be here. Excited for this. Let's see what, let's see what goes down today. I'm excited.
1: Well, we're excited as well. How are you doing today?
2: No, I'm doing well. Um, It's funny, someone was asking me that earlier, and I like respond with I'm tired. Uh, And I'm realizing that's just like the adult mantra. Like we're all just tired. But it's a good tired. Got a lot going on. Um, Can't can't complain.
1: I feel you. I actually I don't take naps often. But I got home from work today at five. And I took a nap from five to seven. And my girlfriend was like, What are you doing? I'm like, Hey, I get tired, too.
2: You're like, Let me live my life. (laughs) So yeah. I'm good.
0: These are the times they definitely warned us about when we were kids, man. Like, don't grow up too fast. And now we're here, and it's like, oh man, I wish I was a kid again.
2: You, you know? Remember when we had enforced naps, and we hated them, and we didn't realize? I wish there'd be someone like an adult saying, like, hey guys, in about fifteen to twenty years, you're gonna love every moment of this.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. So Ty, to open things up, um, we were doing some research and, you know, we came across Columbus Speaks, which we'll get into in just a moment, but on your Instagram page, there was a post from last July with a simple message that we really, really liked and we wanted to start off the episode with it. So Ty, tell us something good.
2: Something good. Well, hey, we're all right now, like alive and living in this space, you know. That's good. We're, we're enjoying this moment together, this crazy life. I mean, last year was weird for every single human. Um, we made it. Um, so that's good. And on a personal level, um, there's a lot of projects that I'm working on that I'm pretty excited about. Um, on a bigger level, I mean, Columbus is about to have a really fun year uh, as a city. I'm really excited for that. Things are starting to wake back up. Um, sports are coming back quote unquote, um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm happy. So there's my something good.
0: It's a perfectly rounded answer. I like that. Short, sweet, to the point. You covered all those different, different aspects. I love it. <laughs> I try. I try. So
1: speaking of something good, let's actually talk about the Columbus Speaks call to action.
0: Columbus yep. Speaks
1: is a platform of advocacy and engagement for those voices unheard. Mm-hmm. The community organization helps to educate and unite Columbus on why black lives matter. Mm-hmm. Tell us about Columbus Speaks. What inspired you to start Columbus Speaks and become active in the fight for equality and social justice? What are you doing to spark change, spread positivity, and invoke courage? And how do people get involved?
2: Okay, so there's a lot there. So I'm going (laughs) to give you a lot of an answer. Is that fine? Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, So my wife and I had started thinking about some sort of give back um, about late 2019. Uh, Both of us have like, just big hearts, if that makes any sense. Um, So we knew at some point with our careers kind of going on, we wanted to do like some sort of give back. And uh, originally, and this is actually still true to this day, like we wanted to just kind of like pivot to like the voices unheard. It's really easy to kind of just fall into, uh, you know, LGBTQ or uh, women's rights, or again, obviously Black Lives Matter. Uh, We really wanted to be able to like bring all of these voices that we feel are aren't heard give them a platform um so when we like launched we did launch in the summer and like all the black lives matter stuff started which is interesting because i feel like people see us as a blm group and we aren't that um which is interesting as a black man saying that like i have this voice and i'm not a black lives matter group so we're not that i like to clear that up um we just think that there are voices that deserve a platform They're voices that have issues that are very real to them Um, and they need a voice. It just so happened that we came up during the BLM movement like blowing up, which is fine because we're gonna still side along that for obvious reasons. Um, But at the end of the day, we wanted to figure out like, how can we position ourselves for two things? Number one, how can we educate our allies? Uh, We realize that there are a lot of people having trouble with the uncomfortable conversations. Like there's humans that are say moved by what's been going on and want to figure out a way how can they come alongside in a way that's not offensive or a way that they feel educated that was our first thing how can we bring along our allies and then second was how can we actually like cultivate change Um, for us the whole columbus speaks starts from it has to start with a conversation Um, conversation is going to be between individuals who want to make a difference uh it could be learning it could be listening all those facets happen in conversation and then it's what you do after it so we are the people that can help take these ideas that we hear from conversation to change makers or we can empower you to be a change maker um as of right now Columbus speaks we've been like kind of quiet last couple months and that's been intentional um it blew up really fast with like our t-shirt drive that we did and i didn't really get to tell the story um i work in like content management, um, brand management, and I realized very quickly that Columbus Speaks didn't get to tell their story, which at the time was okay, but I did want the public to have like a well-rounded view of who we were, so I kind of like shuttled it down. The last three or four months has been us figuring out how to tell the story of Columbus Speaks better, Um, so you'll see this spring us coming together a lot bigger. Uh, There will be ways that the community can actually be involved. We think that action is always really good to go along with the words. Um, And we'll kind of like tie that together. There's gonna be a lot of educational opportunities. There's gonna be hands-on opportunities, um, a lot of really cool activations within the community. There's like mentorship things I'm working on. Um, I wanna be able to present Columbus Speaks as a like fully well-rounded advocacy platform. So that's the long answer to your really long question.
1: Perfect. So on your website, I saw that you guys are working with a couple of different charities with, you know, for your donations. And you're also partnered up with Zach Steffen with mm-hmm. Voice Now. Can you tell us a little bit about those partnerships that you have with not yeah. only Zach and Voice Now, but other charities in the city of Columbus?
2: Yeah. So the partnerships in Columbus, um, we like to be very intentional with our movements and uh, we want the money that we raise to actually like impact um, human beings on a very tangible level. Um, I think as a person who, let's say like, if you're contributing, right, you kind of want to know what your money's doing. You want to know it's kind of not just like lost in the pot. You, you want to know you're like, if you contribute $5 or a hundred dollars, you're still making a difference. And the way nonprofits work, some people are more propped up to do more with your money, if that makes any sense. Um, so we've worked with in the past, like community development for all people, um, the Loveland foundation, um, the, uh, Oh my God, what was the first one that we did? uh the columbus freedom fund goodness gracious we wanted things that were like very tangible that we want the money to go through and we're very like intentional about that as well like even for the first one i remember we were really wanting like every dollar that a human gave us to go fully towards that so we actually had a lot of like business partners come along to cover cost of our campaign so like if you bought the shirt your entire 30 dollars went toward the fund i feel like that helps you feel like you've actually contributed um Most of the organizations we have personal relationships with. So like even with Zach, uh, Voice Now, I've known Zach now uh, almost three or four years now. Um, And when he started Voice Now, I'm going to assume most listeners have heard his story just like he realized he had a platform, he wanted to uh, have a voice, how can he do it? He's still very connected to Columbus and we kind of talked about like how we could kind of tie him in to do some cool stuff. it's It's been really neat making sure that all of our actions, I guess, have had like really fruitful endings. So Zach has been a really big part of that. Uh, community development for all people has been really good for that. Um, we just are really intentional about how we choose who we partner with.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you to both you and Zach for doing all the good that you're doing for the city of Columbus. Keep it up. Thanks. People will, people continue to join you and follow you and your movement.
0: Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, something that I've always believed in wholeheartedly is that there is power in numbers. And so once you get those, you know, that collective to get behind a a movement or or a thought, collective thought, that's really when we're going to start to see that change. So this the stuff that you're talking about here is amazing. Um while we're on that topic, Morgan Hughes did a recent interview with Under Construction Podcast and had this to say regarding the Save the Crew movement. Save the crew had nothing to do with sports. Nothing to do with soccer. It was a story of people coming together to change the world around them. So what did the Save the Crew movement teach you about the Columbus Crew fan base? And as an advocate for quality, equality and social justice, what did this movement teach you about a group's ability to fight for a common goal? So
2: what's interesting is when I went into like, our like, branding and marketing side of like Columbus Speaks in itself, I always love the idea of like how a chorus of voices are obviously louder than one, right? So the same like principle applies when you have uh, people working together. Like a group of people obviously can do more than one. Uh, for us with Columbus Speaks, we, we want to figure out a way to bring the people from the sidelines into action. We, when you come to uh, like social work or philanthropy, you have to have others to make impact, right? And we've learned that like, especially in like sensitive issues such as equality, like there are actually a lot more people that like wish they were involved than the people actually involved. There's people who may be scared to dip their toe because of, you know, it's polarizing. Uh, once you take a stand for quote unquote good, there's obviously the backlash of the other side and everyone's got their stories. Everyone's got family members that may or, you know, disagree or this, that, and the other so it's be able to like arm the people who want to do good with those assets and be able to like bring them into the fold uh, With save the crew you know I, I was a part of it not the i wasn't part of the save the crew like organization um i'm very intimate with like um the group themselves and i feel like if i even said that they would somehow roast me with my choice of words um but <laughs> the sense of I did work alongside them. Um, At the time I was working with Pursuit and we were a Save the Crew partner. We were actually also a Columbus Crew, like official partner as well. So we had the fun journey of like making sure we were like, you know, playing the the party line, but also standing up for what was right. Um, Seeing Columbus come together and mobilize uh, with a cohesive voice and cohesive messaging um, was beautiful. I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, it it just proves time and time again that once you put your mind to something, you can do it. And if you've got people that will buy in, you 100%, you can make what you need to happen, happen.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It was an an amazing thing that happened to the Columbus crew, Um, all falling back on that, you know, the power in numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: like we said before the podcast, you've been with Nordeka for about six years now. Why did you choose to be a part of Nordeca and how do they represent the city of Columbus?
2: So I love soccer. Number one, that's right off the bat. I love soccer, which is funny because a lot of people in Nordeca have so many different stories. Some people weren't soccer fans, you know, but I I grew up playing it. um, I was a late bloomer. Um, I started playing like organized around age 12 ish. Um, And as I grew to enjoy and like appreciate the sport, Um, I love soccer culture. It's very unique. Um, Sports in itself is like obviously its own thing, but within each sport, there's different niches, right? And the soccer supporter culture is interesting to me. Um, I joined the Nordeka in particular because I wanted to be a part of something that I thought would be like bigger than the sport. Um, There's the social side of it. There's the like getting rowdy on Saturday side of it. Um, There's just the presence, even like nationally side of it that was fun. Um, I also wanted to help it grow. Um, I think there's teams across the league that do supporter culture really well. Um, And I really want Columbus to be talked about when it comes to that. Like I have some unpopular, unpopular opinions about, you know, Columbus and its culture. Um, I think we've got a ways to go personally. Um, I, I walk the streets of Atlanta or say like my friends will send me pictures in Seattle and Portland and it's completely different. And I think we can get there. Uh, So I think me joining it was like, I want to be a part of something that could be really legit. Cause actually my first like encounter after I joined Nordeka, had a couple years there. Right. And then 2015 we played. And I remember being so played in the MLS cup for context. I remember being so impressed with Timbers army, like so impressed. Um, Did either of you attend that game at all? Yeah, I was there. Yeah. Like it was really unique to see like, culture embodied in a section unison and um and voice and i was like this is dope like they were loud they were fun they were flavorful and i was like nordeka needs to shoot for this and beyond and we can do it now obviously there's other factions that prevented that at the time but like i think now we're on the precipice of seeing like we can like become that like people talk about timbers army you know um we can start, the Nordica can start being in more people's mouths. And that's kind of why I joined.
1: So like we said at the beginning of the podcast, you are our third and final installment in our Mm -hmm. MLS supporters group mini series. We had the pleasure of having Austin Anthem on and a representative from the pride from FC Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I found very interesting about the pride FC Cincinnati that I wish we could foster in downtown Columbus, and maybe we can with the new stadium, which we'll get to here pretty soon Mm -hmm but they do a march, all the different supporters group meet at different bars, but they all marched straight downhill to what was Nippert Stadium. So what do you think about our rivals supporters groups? I know you talked about Seattle and Portland, but what do you think about like a Cincy and what will be Austin FC this year?
2: Um, First of all, I've actually encountered both groups. Um, And I actually remember when I went down to watch a Cincinnati game when they were still in the USL, I was very impressed. And I know a lot of people kind of, like, gave them a bad look of saying, like, oh, they're plastic or it's a new thing in town. But honestly, there's something to be said for atmosphere. And every single game I've gone to for Cincinnati, as much as they have, like, not been good, obviously, there's a difference. Like, I mean, let's be real. Like, we're crew fans. We have been to games where, you know, it's the soccer moms and dads sitting down the entire time. Uh, until a goal happens Uh, there's obviously attendance we don't want to talk about that but it's different than what Cincinnati had Um, I remember I was there for the Open Cup game and they took it seriously and even after that I went down for another game and they enjoy their club there's a buy-in yes it's new it's shiny but at the end of the day I don't care it's there's buy-in there Um, same with Austin I have a belief that to be honest I know people want Austin to play the villain. I think the people of Austin and the city of Austin and the supporters are actually going to become like our new favorites, to be honest, Uh, just interactions I've had with them. um, And even taking away my bias and soft spot for the city of Austin. Okay. They're going to have fun. They're going to have fun. It's going to be weird. Um, They're building something organic. And that's the thing. I don't know if we've ever intentionally built something organic in Columbus. And that's been what I think is the challenge of like this new era. Um, as it goes to like rivals and stuff, Cincy's I think is our rival. Um, if real talk, Austin doesn't care about us as much as we care about them. It's I think we are definitely the ones that instigate and bring things up. Austin's just ready to have a good time. To be real talk, they're just ready to party. They're ready for the, the big leagues. They're going to have a, an interesting year, but they're just ready to have fun. Um, since he's where it's at for Columbus fans, in my opinion, since he's the, the little brother that we want to just remind all the time that they're little brother and proximity helps. Um, they don't have the history yet. I think they will. I think you see, next three, five years, um, they're right now at the very end of being handicapped by bad decisions that front office made. Once they get past that, they're going to be decent at some point. The team, the city in itself needs like a winner. And I think they're the closest thing to being that in that city. So, once the front office gets it together, you get some contracts played out, bring in some, some decent talent. We got some really fun, hellish real games. And to be honest, those have been in the recent years my favorite games to go to as a crew fan. And
1: I, and I, ju- I just want to interject here Cincinnati had a rough day today, okay? So, on the high note, they signed officially Lucho yeah. Acosta. But just before getting on this podcast, AJ Green. Is leaving the Cincinnati yeah. Bengals, their star wide receiver, who's been there since, who's been there since 2011. So they've had yeah. the high of highs, and they've had the low that of lows. Nuts. One of their one of the bright spots in Cincinnati Bengals football history. Yeah. But we talked about you know Cincinnati and how their fan base is huge, even when they were in the USL days, they were setting records. Yeah. What does what does the crew fan base and Nordeka need to do to take that next step?
2: Oof. So now you guys want the blunt realness? I'm gonna say yes. Some, okay. I'm not speaking for every person in Nordeca. I'm not speaking for front office. I'm speaking for me, in my opinion, okay? Uh, we gotta get outside of our bubble. We have to. There's a, in my opinion, there's a lot of, the Nordeka forgets that they're not the only people that attend crew games. Um, we forget that we are, at the end of the day, a very small contingent of quote-unquote crew fans or crew game, like, uh, attendees. When you get stuck in that bubble you see everyone wearing black and gold and you think that everyone around you is about it the real talk of it is that columbus in itself doesn't uh i want to say this nicely we haven't bought in yet but that's because there hasn't been intentional outreach okay so what the nordaca needs to do is to take that like mission and own it Let's be, let's be in the community. Let's show them that the Columbus crew is a good time. I have neighbors that don't know the crew are still here. That pisses me off. Um, they, like, literally don't even know that the team is safe. It's been, what, two years now? I, 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 This is my biggest issue, okay? So I'm going to tell a story I've told a couple of times. Um, in the soccer community, right, the actual – this is where your bread and butter should be. People who play soccer follow soccer um had a game with my team been with them for a couple years they know that i work alongside the team right had three individuals last year ask me if the team was going to stay that's the first issue second to make it worse jonah and harrison come to my games because at the time uh florence akam who was david akam's wife was on my team didn't know who they were at all no one recognized them we're talking you know all the crap to make it even worse one of my friends was a former crew player. No one, no one knew who he was like w- the soccer community in Columbus doesn't wrap their arms around it. So we need to wrap our arms around the soccer community. After that, wrap your arms around the freaking con- entire community. Let's show us doing good, which is why I'm excited to be like partnering with them. Um, uh, I've got some things I'm working with them in the background to like help them get in the community, but like real talk, we have to wrap our arms around the soccer community in Columbus because the soccer community in Columbus hasn't wrapped its arms around the crew. And that's just what it is at the end of the day. I know people have been like mad about like the front office approach to like, you know, selling these premium suites and making sure they're just selling tickets. But at the end of the day, they have to show a product to get people to care. People in Columbus like two things we like the Buckeyes and we like winning. You know, well, we've got the winning part down. So, how do we get them to care about them outside of the Buckeyes? You got to see the team, they've got to be visible. This is honestly the best chance for us to be visible as hell. We freaking won it all, right? We have this new stadium they have to capitalize and make it matter to the city of Columbus. And I feel like there's times where like Nordica individuals are like, it's not that big a deal. We like, you know, we saved the team. Like, I don't know why people are like talking this, that, and the other, a lot of the issues that wanted pre-court, sorry, a lot of the issues that made pre-court want to leave were very real, unfortunately. Like, I know that doesn't go against the narrative, but like they just were. So you've got, we've got to work actively as much as we can to help correct that narrative, um, especially like uh, business side, community engagement side. It all has to change. And the Nordeca I think, can have a huge part in that of like showing their face in the community outside of just ourselves. I said
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, saving the team isn't enough. We need to continue yeah. and Nordeca and Crew yeah. Nation needs to continue to push the envelope.
2: Yeah, 100%. So- I think that we have the best like open sandbox as it is to like start that this is a fresh new start. I like to say that the Columbus crew needs to see themselves as the Phoenix reborn. Um, there's a lot of, I like to like, you know, dabble in like Reddit and the Facebook groups. And there's a lot of like, you know, old heads who like, don't like to change, but to be honest, like you have to think of this was a dying club. So you've got to make it like make sense. The old product didn't make sense to Columbus. so You can't write on that. You know, it's gotta be completely new. It's gotta be something that matters to like, these kids who are coming and say to OSU, I don't understand how OSU, one of the biggest like student bodies in the nation, right? Has almost had zero presence. These are kids coming from across the nation, even from our own community that don't show up to these games. And they were on the freaking campus. There's so many like holes that we could like exploit and we don't. So like, I'm hoping that with this new opportunity, acknowledging that we're new and reborn, that there's just so much more community, like outlook, like, like I'll kind of go into, I know one of the questions about the Jersey, remind me to like, tell you why I like the Jersey There's a reason for it.
0: Just tell us why you, why you, why you really do like the Jersey.
2: So again, like I told you, like, I love to work in the world of like marketing and brand management, um, storytelling, all of that. Right. So one of the bigger things with sports in general is sp- loyalty and like brand awareness, correct. You go, right now, if you go to Tampa Bay, people are going to be wearing the stuff. Like, it's a the thing. They won, people are going to be wearing it. Uh, you go to Atlanta, as much as like, yeah, last year was a blip for them. They, you could walk around, you see billboards. You see people wearing the jerseys. You see the posters all around. There's a buy-in. Well, from a, like, stylist standpoint and even marketing standpoint, yellow is a really hard color to wear. It's very noticeable. A lot of people aren't going to wear that. That's just a thing. People don't look good in yellow, and we and we know from just like life, you're gonna wear what you feel good in. Okay, Um, them pivoting to more of a neutral color allows the brand to live in a new different in a different vehicle. So with this gray and white, it's neutral. You can wear it out to the bar, and you won't feel weird about it. You're gonna like I think about my friends who are like, oh, I'm having like a like I don't wanna say like a I'm having a good day today. What am I gonna wear? You're gonna wear your like your most flattering color. Yellow is almost always not on anyone's flattering colors. As much as it's recognizable, it is. So that allows, this, this gray jersey allows human beings to now like have an option that has the brand colors in it, has the name and brand to be worn about. Like I actually see more like crew, like track jackets and like hats across the city than I see jerseys because it's just a hard color to wear. So this, this white gray jersey will allow that to be uh, in the community a lot. For brand awareness, you want to see that guy in in the store and be like, ah, he's a crew fan. It's just not been a lot of that. This will allow that.
0: Definitely an interesting take. I had to. I have to, can't lie. Uh, my my initial reaction to the jersey was, I like yellow. I really do. I love the yellow for the crew. Uh, mm-hmm. But your take on it is is interesting. Um, and Blake actually got one. And it's, it. starting, it's starting to grow on me a little bit. I don't want to admit it, but it is starting to grow on me. But while we're talking about this, this, is kind of this culmination of things, right? You know, you have the new stadium. You have the crew winning the cup. You have this potential to, like you said, grow and kind of get outside of that bubble. There is also the addition of Astor Park, which was announced on March 16th. Yep. Um, as the name of uh, the cohesive neighborhood surrounding uh, the brand new soccer specific Columbus Crew Stadium. How do you think this is going to contribute to what you just talked about with kind of embracing Mm -hmm. the the overall change that that the crew needs and and the supporters group needs? Okay.
2: So again, approaching it all as a rebirth, right? Um, You get to present it almost kind of for the first time a lot of organizations businesses don't get that privilege to like re reintroduce
0: yourself okay
2: uh kind of going back to jersey for two seconds like it was talked about it, there was there was hubbub about the fact that it wasn't yellow you know that's noise you need freaking noise around this thing the stadium in itself people who don't care about soccer like what the hell's going on you know the the development around it. There's going to be businesses, bars, people that want to be in it. It's going to be a place people go to. We already know, like, we remember like how different that area was before Nationwide Arena went in. You know, that in itself was a thing. And I even take it further back. You remember when uh, the Clippers played at Cooper Stadium, right?
1: Mm-hmm. I went,
2: you know, with my grandfather or my my parents, and it was like a nostalgia thing to it. But once it moved downtown, it was cool. You know, it was a thing you did. You went to a bar, you went to dinner, you went to a game, then you went to a bar afterwards, or you hung out with your friends around. Like, um, that energy is what I think will be surrounding it and is what's needed. You need it to be like a thing to do. Um, when it was at Mafre back in the early 2000s, it was a little bit of a novelty, but only still the people that would go would be like your uh, hardcore soccer fans, right? I know there's people that go to Clippers games that don't like baseball because they like to be around the people. They want to do something cool. That's going to be the game changer for it being downtown. You're going to now have business execs who are entertaining clients. It's a lot easier to go to, and you could literally close deals at this place and walk from the office down to the game. You've got families now who can say like, Hey, let's go to dinner real quick. First, the whole family, let's go to this game right afterwards. You've got kids like us. We're going to like party all day go to the game and then party after there's things to do without like the issues of like the logistics of traveling. Um, in a sense of visibility, that stadium is beautiful. Um, you come around 315, uh, it's right in your face. You drive down nationwide Boulevard. There's something to talk about. Um, I'm a big fan of like, honestly, like all noise is good as long as it's directed at your product. Um, Even if it's like quote-unquote bad news, it just means you got to work to make it, you know, different.
0: Hey, man, Um, no press is bad press.
2: Yeah, that's an opportunity to change the narrative because at least people are talking about it. Um, I'm excited for Columbus Crew SC to like position themselves with this. I mean, even at the end of the day, we won. We now get to talk about that as well. People in Columbus love champions. So come down to this new stadium. Come down to this new experience. Like I don't know if people are really realizing like how different the stadium is going to be. Because like I realized a lot of crew fans did not travel to other stadiums. A lot of stadiums' experiences are completely different. And even as a sports fan, like you kind of know what you're getting into when you go to a sporting event. The details, the small things of just like the mobile ordering is going to be different. The the local fair is going to be different. The like the Wi-Fi capabilities, the sight lines, all these small details. Once they're in there, they're going to realize how like i don't want to say bad we had it because that sounds bad to old ownership just how different it was and how it's gonna be a professional product that in itself i think once you get people in the building it's going to change the complete different thing and i think it's going to sell itself um but again there will have to be intentions from the front office and i think they're doing a great job of you got to sell it with the story don't let them don't let the public tell the story let them enjoy the story you're telling
1: on top on, on top of the new stadium, new yeah. kits. We got a bunch of new players that we're going to yeah. talk about later. Yeah, I, I've spent a lot of Saturdays, a lot of weekends at Maverick Stadium cheering, screaming for my beloved black and gold. Yeah. And I cannot wait to do the same in the brand new Columbus Crew Stadium with that beautiful skyline in the background, yeah. hitting the bars right next to the stadium beforehand. I thoroughly cannot wait to do that. And maybe we can even get a beer together, Ty, since apparently we've known each other for quite a
2: while now. It'll be a moment. It'll be great. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that moment. Cheers to that.
1: So, listeners, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, Added time Outfitters. After the break, we'll be discussing Ty's favorite moment in Moffrey Stadium, Columbus Crew's offseason acquisitions, the opening match of the 2021 season versus the Supporters' Shield winning Philadelphia Union, and so much more. We'll be back in 60 mm-hmm. seconds.
0: We all love the beautiful game. We spend countless hours watching, tweeting, discussing, playing, and talking about the sport. And we all have our favorite memories when our teams made history. Moments like Liverpool's miracle in Istanbul or Celtics 2-1 triumph over arguably the best Barca side ever, those moments that keep us coming back for more. But what if you could carry those moments with you all the time? At a time, Outfitters create soccer-inspired wristbands to let you wear those memories on your wrist. Each reversible elastic design gives supporters of the beautiful game a unique way to rep their favorite team in any setting. With wristbands for your favorite teams from across Europe, the USA, and beyond, each Added Time design incorporates a 90-minute story from that famous match. Check out all 24 of Added Time Outfitters' current designs on the web at www.addedtime.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Added Time Outfitters.
1: Welcome back to season three episode six of MLS gone wild featuring the founder of the Columbus speaks community organization and member of the Nordeka Ty Phillips head over to addedtimeoutfitters.com for all your soccer inspired wristbands and apparel use code gone wild all one word at checkout for 10% off your entire order.
0: All right, Ty, we're going to hit the feels a little bit on this one. So before the break, we discussed the impact the new stadium and surrounding area is going to have on the Columbus crew fan base starting this summer. But let's take a look back at what is now historic crew stadium. Crew stadium built in 1999 was the first ever soccer specific stadium built by an MLS team and has served as host of three MLS cups, two MLS all-star games, 22 us men's national team matches, and so much more of the games and moments you have witnessed in this stadium what is the one you will most fondly remember
2: so when i read that question and i was like i don't have a single one but i've got a good five if we can do that, can go, we for do that? go for right, it go for it so um my first memory and we're talking at that stadium because i actually remember like um when they played at osu but at that stadium my first memory would be usa jamaica i'm trying to remember if it was before the 2002 world cup or not uh, but it was a world cup qualifier um that was my first like moment it was cold it was snowing um or raining or something like that uh that was my first memory but that was my first time seeing like the national team play and i think eddie johnson scored it, if i remember correctly well we're gonna let all the people google this stuff and see if i'm right or wrong um that was one of my favorite moments uh a random game in 2003 hear me out uh i don't think we made the playoffs that year it was, I think the last game, October, uh, we played Chicago, and I believe we won six to two. Um, we were down two zero at halftime. We came back and somehow won six to two. Uh, it was just fun because of like, you could tell the like players were like, okay, our season is what it is. They just came and just balled out for no reason. And as a kid, you know, I'm like, this is great. Seeing goals galore for some reason. And, uh, you know, there was actually a decent crowd. I'm, Correctly, it was, I think 19,000 showed up, and I love. For me, as a crew fan, I love when the fans show up. Um, number three will be the 25th. No, sorry, we're gonna go back again. 2008 Conference Eastern Conference Final. Um, I was blessed to see that. It was like McBride coming back, um, and then to see him like get dunked on and us end up winning, glorious. Because I obviously didn't make the flight out to California. I, that was my like favorite game of the like our first championship. Right? um the next would be unfortunately in the year that we lost um i was at 2015 mls cup i've as much as i hated the game right because honestly like we honestly got outplayed that game i know people complain about the ball going out line but like we were not in that game as much people think we were um but the atmosphere that was my first time seeing columbus crew stadium like be packed out with crew fans or people who wanted to care about the crew winning it was like this is different why isn't it like this every week this looks like we watch freaking portland or seattle like this is dope um so the obviously the emotions were all over the place but i love that game
1: i've never publicly admitted this ty but i did attend in that game as well i was sitting in the upper deck and i had just set. Well, i didn't sit down but i was standing up i had just had you know i just bought a beer and i was standing up and they scored within the first minute or a couple minutes. Yeah. And, you know, I consider myself a pretty good citizen, pretty good human being. I chucked that beer all the way onto the field from the upper deck. Man, I was it. rattled.
2: <laughs> Dude, it was, I, remember, I actually remember that was probably the most deflated I've been in mm-hmm. life because I was like, wow. I think it actually – it was in the first minute. I'm pretty sure we got scored in the first mm-hmm. minute. And, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, off of Diego Valeri and Steve Clark just – you know, it happened. But anyways, like, but I took the beauty of that game it was, like, seeing the, the away supporters, seeing Columbus show out, um, absolutely one of my, like, favorite moments. But tied for number one, I have two tied number one, okay? I'm gonna leave the crew one for the best, but uh, I did go to the last Dos Cicero for now, where we lost, but it was my first time seeing the USA Mexico game there. Um, I love seeing the two cultures collide. Um, I like, obviously, like, was a different caliber of soccer at that point as well so that was my first time seeing like even though I saw USA Jamaica the USA Mexico game oh sorry has a different flair different flavor all over the board absolutely fantastic but my favorite will be the 2015 um series with Montreal Uh, I was in the Nordica for that game so when Kai Kamara scored like his winner in overtime like I was right there like right in front of them that game had it all had the whole just like drama had uh, the play was good it was it was just a good game and obviously the good guys wanted into that so those are my favorite memories and it's funny as like we go to this new stadium I have an appreciation for those moments but I think I have an anticipation of the new moments we're going to share in a new stadium and it's ridiculous because I still think about like me losing my voice for the first time in a crew game like absolutely couldn't talk the next day I'm excited for that and more in new crew stadium.
1: This is why we brought you on because I'm also a crew fan. I'm a kid from Columbus, but you obviously have a way better memory than I do. I couldn't have rattled, I couldn't have rattled off all those games I've been to. So thank you for that. But you speak a little bit a little bit about the anticipation leading into 2021, leading into this brand new stadium. Yeah. You know, I talked about the new stadium, new kit. We also have a bunch of new players. This offseason, yeah. Tim Bezbachenko and the crew have been wheeling and dealing. Kevin Molino, Bradley Wright Phillips, Marlon Harrison, and Alexandru Matan have all been added to this roster, already loaded with talent. Mm -hmm. To add to his nine goals and four assists in last year's regular season, hot boy Kevin Molino scored four goals in three playoff matches for the Loons. BWP ranked sixth all-time, and most goals scored in MLS with 116 goals. Marlon Harrison provides athleticism and depth at the right back spot behind our full and Maton meets the criteria for a young money signing. And I've heard him be re- loosely referred to as the Romanian Messi. Yep. of those signings. Who do you think will make the biggest impact for the crew in 2021 and
2: why? Okay. Well, real quick before we dive into that, let's give our boy Tim Bezbachenko a freaking shout out, like for real, for real. Um, I remember when I first met him and he moved in Columbus he actually like was before he bought his house he was above my shop and he came in because he knew we were a partner and then I think he was maybe surprised I knew who he was um and also just like had this admiration because for me I remember when Toronto was absolute crap like the worst and I remember when he came on board and I remember like the moves he made like I remember my attention being caught on like Gilberto and Jermaine Defoe came and then when Bradley came and Altidore I know people feel how they feel about Bradley but that's a big deal to bring that at the time when he was I think he was at Roma I think <laughs> to coming back to MLS and then to watch that team go from like the team we laughed at to to be honest dominate they like they only won one cup unfortunately but they like won their uh, Canadian thing uh, they won like three cups that year I can't remember what the other third cup was um, but anyways to see just the like behind the scenes like making sure we're taking full advantage of mls rules making sure we're taking full advantage of the like, salary cap um how can we bring this together at the same time while building team culture um in and outside the team team play style of play all of it we're seeing that happen right now in columbus and i remember when uh the first year people like porter out tim podespechenko out i'm like first of all this is a business it takes time but like let them build and obviously last year, I think they overachieved. I think they they shot to make the playoffs. And obviously internally, they were shooting to win the cup. That's what you do. But I think there was a point that they were like almost surprised because I think this is the year we're gonna start seeing them like ball out originally. And that's being shown in the way that they're moving. It just became easier because now you're now the defending champions. That's why you have people like Molino, who's like, I wanna win. Who's winning? Columbus. You got Bradley Wright, like, hey, how can I extend my career in a team that values me and the culture's right? Like, people forget about how much team culture matters to the individuals playing the sport. Columbus Crew, like, honestly, out of all the, like, professional teams I've interacted with, ego is very, like, almost non-existent on that crew team. There's, you know, we've got some players with chips on their shoulder. But at the end of the day, like, this is a place people want to play at. And you've got this new stadium. You've got this new rebirth. Um, Tim Bezbachenko, Porter. Pat Onstad, all of them have created like something wonderful. So long shout out to them. Uh, The players I think is going to have the most impact. I think because of the position, I think Molino is going to be our most impactful player. And there's a reason for that. Um, Right now, everyone knows who Zola is at this point. Like if you tried to like not see him, he didn't play as much as we want him to, um, but you're now very aware who he is. He's going to occupy space. Zardes automatically with his his runs, his, Even defensive play, you have to make sure he's around. Pedro Santos is one of my favorites. I know a lot of people in Crenation don't like him, right? But he's he's dynamic in a different way. But we've never had a person that's going to, like, always make something happen from the wings. Diaz does it in spurts. I love Diaz. He's young. I think we forget that he's, I think, 21 or 22. And that showed sometimes where, like, the simple pass he wouldn't make or the connecting cross that he needed to pick the right one. Molino's been there, done that. Molino is, I think, one of the top chance creators, if I remember correctly, from last year. Uh, Imagine him bringing, like, all of that for a good 75-minute shift, right? He's going to get you goals. He's going to actually get you the assist. Um, And then on top of that, I think about you have to deal with Molino all game. And the very fact that you're going to put someone like Diaz or Etienne in after him, that in itself is impact for Molino. He's like, I've worn this guy down. Diaz, go eat him up. Etienne, go eat him up. (laughs) um Molino is gonna be the guy I think um honestly I think the like dark horse though will be Wormhor um we didn't get to see enough of him last year uh we saw him for technically a game and 15 minutes I think (laughs) um he and Mensa will be the most physically dominating um duo that we've seen in a long time but the thing is Wormhor also brings a very technical side if you watch his like stuff when he was at his old club He's very technical. Even though the fact that like he's very aggressive, um, the man doesn't get carded often. Um, the man is very clean with his passing. He's very clean with his tackling, even in the box. Like you're almost like I will be okay with you slide tackling someone in the box because I know you calculated it. Um, he's gonna bring more of the brains to it. Uh, I'm really excited to see those two together. Those are my two picks. Um, the rest intrigued me. Um, I love the depth that a lot of the players bring, and I'm excited to see him a ton. Um, I think he's the person that you let play the open games, open cup games. He plays the, uh, like the midweek games. And he also can be a sub on those wings. Um, But I think Zelorayan like takes him under his wings and makes him like just ball out. Uh, I've seen some of his highlights as well. He he reminds me in the mold. You said Romanian Messi. He reminds me of the player that Bezbachenko brought, Javinko, And we all, as much as we hated him in Toronto, I honestly loved going to watch him because the guy was just low key, untouchable for a hot second, little, little, what do they call him? The atomic. The ant, atomic ant. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was just like, he touched the ball and you knew something was going to happen. And I, I would love to see that type of potential from uh Maton. I think he's, is he 21? Is he 20 or 21? He's no. under 22. Yeah. They got him for, I've heard four years. That's time to groom him. Like this is a, that's a dope signing. So. But yeah, man, those are my horror and Molino. Those are my two.
1: Absolutely. So, touching on Molino, one thing that we've talked about previously, when we've talked about the crew and kind of analyzed how they play, I've always said that Caleb Porter likes to play with one burner down one wing. So, yeah. like a guy like Luis Diaz, that's going to get in line, yeah, and pop then guy on the other side. yeah, and then a guy that's going to come inside and play make. And now, I think we found ourselves in a good problem where we have Pedro Santos and Kevin Molino playing out wide, and they both like to play inside and can combined with Zellerion. And we also have two uh, outside backs in Valenzuela and Aful that like to get forward as well and can whip in balls. So depending on what side we're attacking from, if that outside mid floats inside, I think we've found a, a perfect calculation on how to, you know, get a numbers advantage on one side. So I think Molino is going to be a huge addition to the Columbus crew. I actually purchased his jersey. I oh, got man. Molina. I got Molino on my back in 2021. I'm a big fan of Hot Boys, so I'm looking forward to what he can see. But you talked a little bit about Vito, and I that was our very next question, actually. And so he actually did only play 107 minutes in his inaugural season as a Columbus crew player. Josh Williams stepped in as a replacement, and the Williams and Mensa partnership anchored the crew defense to an MLS Cup with Vito returning and Williams a proven starter and winner right off the bat do you pair Vito and Mensa together or do you still give that job to Josh Williams until he loses it
2: um obviously I'm not the coach and I'm not in camp um Porter has proven time and time again that he's a guy who whoever earns it gets that spot. um I don't think he goes off of like the name or if you should be quote-unquote playing um I think day one we might see Williams because I don't know where Warmhor is at fitness wise or whatever. Because I've heard that he's like, he's fully activated, but he's like not doing all the things. And that's going to be a factor. That's just, as a coach, you got to look at that. Like you're going down to Nicaragua and you want your player that's ready to go 100%. Um, I do think from a personal standpoint, because of the way Caleb wants to play, that you do end up seeing Warmhor. If he's performing, you see Warmhor and Mensa because that was the plan originally. Um, we all know this. We've we've all played. Um, At the end of the day, it's whoever's performing. It's not, I mean, yeah, you have your guys who's like the quote unquote best player on the team, but good coaches are not afraid to bench their best players. You know, Um, there's maybe a couple of players in this world that are immune to that Ronaldo Messi, maybe even uh, who else would I say right now? doesn't get benched. Kane right now wouldn't get benched necessarily unless he's like hurt. Um, But beyond that, Neymar, Neymar too. And, you know, the, I,
1: and and the robot Erling Holland for
2: right now the kids going to play him. Yeah, that dude is they created him and I, I remember I actually watched live his game that U20 game where he had like I think 6 or maybe even 9 goals. Maybe mm-hmm. I mean, was 6. He had a he had a ton of goals in that game. And I was like this kid and to see it translate is cool. But going back to uh, like your question, um I think it's going to come down to performance. It's going to come down to camp. It's going to come down to the day to day I think Warm Horse is person for Porter who we prefer but he's Porter likes to win so he's going to go with whoever is going to bring that and that's the thing that's cool like um I want to touch on that for 2 seconds um I got to witness Burhalter um, in in action uh, like up close I even got to watch Josh Wolf which makes me excited for like Austin um but Porter and Burhalter are very different and I love the sense of Berhalter is very calculated. He loves analytics. Um, he's also like a really big fan of systems. Porter is like, here's my system, but I also want you to have the acumen to be like, if you've got to think outside the box in that moment, do it. And that's one thing that we never really saw with Berhalter teams was players being willing to like do something different. Pipa was the closest person who would be like, oh, okay, I'm gonna just go and do something really weird or crazy, but Porter is like, okay, if you get yourself in a situation, can you get yourself out of it and make something happen? And I think that creativity is, like, why we saw, like, Santos have the years that he did. Because Santos, if you, like, watch the small things, the soccer players, he passes differently. His touch is different. He's, I mean, yes, he's had the embarrassing videos we all watched. But, like, when he first came, his quality was completely different than the rest of the team. He's now in a place where he's allowed to be free. He's allowed to, like, breathe a little bit. He did not have to just go to the, oh, damn, the system didn't work. Let's go back and make sure we start back at point one. It's like, can I get out of this? And let's reshape. Um, I, think, I think overall the whole system will allow players like, is it like Wormhor, like Santos, to feel and be themselves, and that will be what pushes this team forward. Porter just lets them lets play. Such
0: a – perfect response to the question I'm not the coach I'm not in camp but no I really I really did love uh, love that answer um, and then he
1: <laughs> dives in so analytically yeah
0: <laughs> I,
2: mean, I, I played and I've, I've coached in like and I also love the game and it's like just pure beauty so like yeah I noticed the difference and then again like being working around sports you start to like have an appreciation for how people operate and. Some coaches are there for the name. Some coaches are there to, uh, for themselves. And then some coaches just like, I want a freaking trophy. And that's a consistent message reporter. He's won everywhere he's gone and he loves to do it. So it's what it takes to get that. And he's found the style. He has his own individual style. Like, what was it in Akron? Death by a thousand passes. Like, he loves possession, but he's also going to let his players beat you because they're good enough to do it. So,
0: yeah, it's going to, in my opinion, with the, you know, the signings, it's going to be a scary season. But even with all of these great acquisitions, you know, adding to the existing roster, Vegas still has the crew third in the odds to win the MLS Cup this year. I'm shocked by this. Why do you think Vegas has them behind LAFC in and Seattle? And, and do you think the crew can go back to back? Two
2: reasons for it. Uh, number one, Vegas operates off what's popular as well. We don't – if you really think about it, like the pundits started talking about the crew – Like, right around after uh, MLS is back, they're like, okay, this team could be decent. Even though I think that soccer players and coaches were like, this team could be good before that, those two games they played. Um, LAFC is the flashier team. And honestly, real, real talk, Bela, for me, is the best player in the league right now. Um, That's the difference. He's healthy. Um, When he is on it, it's – I actually was surprised that he came to MLS when he did, if we're being really real. Um, So I think that elevates them in that sense. Across the board, do I think the crew team is better than LAFC? Yes. I think on paper, the team is better than they are. But you do have to remember at times, moments of individual brilliance have to happen. We didn't see enough of Zelorayon to say that he is on Vela's level. Because Vela has proven in these last two seasons what he can do. I think this is the year for Zelorayon to say, hey, boy, I'm here too. But on paper, that's why they're there. in Seattle it's because, honestly, Seattle is just – if you really think about it they are a team that hasn't missed the playoffs even as like an expansion team i think they they made the playoffs every single year um they have the tradition of winning um we had to watch them unfortunately play in what four finals back to back uh they lost they won against toronto lost to toronto beat toronto lost to us that's why they're the number two team they will figure out a way to do it and that's why they're keeping the coach that's why they're keeping the players um They'll figure out Jordan Morris' absence. They'll figure it out. Garth Lagerwey, I think, is on par with Tim Bevischenko as top GMs. That's why you put him up there. The crew are still not the team that's like the buzzy team to talk about, so that's why you put him at three. Realistically, I think the team's built for it. Um, Will they go back-to-back? You want to hear my honest answer to this?
0: I don't know if I do or not.
2: (laughs) Dude, honest answer, MLS, MLS is at the most random times it's Mm -hmm. true we'll see teams that dominate and just go out um do i want them to to double i think yeah i obviously want them to double so i think they'll do it i think they can it comes down to execution and it comes down to whatever's in the air that day to be honest (laughs) Uh, these soccer players are just like us at the end of the day they're humans we have off days things happen I think this team with the mentality that Caleb's put into it, they have positioned themselves to be in the best possible position to repeat since uh, the Galaxy did. That's, that's my personal opinion. Will they do it? We will find out come this this uh, winter. And I will love to be celebrating another cup. That's why I'll leave it at that.
1: So I also hope we repeat, I'm sure Mike D does too, but we talked about all the acquisitions prior to. So part of the reason for the crew bolstering the depth of their roster is due to the jam-packed 2021 schedule consisting of MLS play, which we hope we go back-to-back, U.S. Open Cup play is back, losing players to international duty because this is a huge year for qualifying and Olympics, and CCL, CONCACAF Champions League. An MLS club has never won CCL, and if the crew beat first-round opponents, Real Esteli, they will move on possibly to play the four-time CCL champions, Monterey. Yeah, Many MLS pundits are saying the crew have a legitimate chance in this tournament. Do you think this roster is built to withstand all of these competitions and make a deep run in the CCL?
2: Yes, it is on paper built to do that. I will say that our roster even last year was not, and the year before obviously was not. Um, you need depth because what you need is if you're prioritizing every game, right? You've got to be able to provide a product that can get you your one to three points every week in, week out. So what happens is now if we're prioritizing CCL, you can now play your second or, or your second squad or a mix of your second squad um, in league games and then bring your A team rested to CCL. Um we, I think we're now about three deep in almost most positions except for right back. Well, technically we're three deep and right back because uh, the one guy is still playing at OSU right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but Harrison is definitely, they brought him in for, uh, for Harry. I think the the thing that separated the teams that go far in any cup competition is because life happens. I mean, you wear and tear. People forget that, I mean, you're running around playing soccer is not as easy as it looks. Um, and
1: – and we're also in the midst of a pandemic, just like we saw in MLS Cup, yeah. with Donaldson Agby and Pedro, Pedro Santos going out. Yeah.
2: yeah, So like you've got all these things. You need to have players that can step in and, and represent the club in the playing style that way. I would say that in years past, even when the Berhalter days, um, it was so it was such a system game that like people could come in and fit the system, but they your bench was like college players or your new draftees. That's kind of what we had. Now you've got our bench or players that have done it, players that have been there, players of experience, and players that are just honestly good. I mean, a lot of the, our bench, any other team will be like, yes, please, I will trade you these. Well, not draft picks. No one cares about those anymore. But uh, we'll throw the money at you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I think the team is built to withstand it. And I think you're going to see an emphasis on CCL and MLS Cup this year. I think Open Cup might be third priority. I think they're trying to go all in um, for CCL. I think you're going to see a – a top squad play those games. I think you're going to see more rotation during MLS games. I think you're going to see his A1 squad in CCL. And I've talked about this before. Porter just wants to win. There's right now, if he can be the first coach to do it, you know that's his motivation. Like, you know, like out of all the coaches, MLS coaches right now, he wants that more than anything. Porter will love that. The players want that. They know that what's on stake. I think we're built for it. I think the mentality is good. I think they know what's at hand. I think they're going to... Have a good run. Um, I will be the first to say. I know a lot of people have been saying that um, the Mexican League is now on par with MLS. I think at the end of the day, the top end still kind of dominates us. Um, Tigres is ridiculous. Like, to be honest, Monterey can have their moments. Um, so I think we put our, our A team and we'll push some teams. I think we can, you know, at the end of the day, soccer is soccer and things are going to happen. I think we can surprise people if we play our brand, and I think we're positioned to do really well. So I'm excited. It's just been a minute since we've been in the, in the competition. Uh, I'm not saying we're going to win that all. Like, I'm more confident about us, like, honestly doubling on MLS Cup than I am, like, as winning CCL. But I think we have the squad to do it. And I even honestly think, like, next year's squad could be even better. Absolutely. So that's, that's what I think. Like, CCL next year, watch out. So we'll see what's happening.
0: With some respect on the crew's name, am I right?
2: Yes, for real. Because like I said, like, no one's talking about us. I think this – this is the year that people are going to be like, damn, that Columbus crew team is, they're not here. They're not playing around. Um, I right. think it's going to be, if you talk about the season itself, I think it's going to be different. A lot of the the East to me is stronger than the West. You've got traditional players like coming back to life. Um, it's going to be nice to see us play teams that are good. Because I think last year, I think Philly was good and we beat them. And we played Seattle twice, but we didn't see LA. We, Atlanta was off their whole freaking rocker so we see them we played Cincinnati three times we didn't really get to see the gamut of it I'm gonna take our championship for sure but I'm excited to see us play like like the teams this year
0: see how absolutely stand. yeah so speaking of the upcoming season the crew kick off their 26th season of the MLS play on April 18th at home versus the Supporter Shield winning Philadelphia Union the crew won both meetings between the two clubs in 2020 so what is your prediction for this match?
2: Oh, God. I hate predictions. Um, <laughs> 2-1 Columbus. Um, my reason for that is Philly hasn't made any, like, real splashes this year. I Honestly, I, I don't know who they have signed
0: this they year. They got rid of what? their guys. Yeah. They, like, one. they gave away
2: players. They gave away, like, Arison, I think McKenzie as well. But I haven't seen any replacements. I haven't seen any signings. But uh, what's his name? Ernst Tantz or something like that? Is there a GM? Like, he is... Honestly, to me, a baller. Like, for him to just be like, I don't care about the super draft, we're going to put the money into our academy. And then it worked out, and he puts trust in Jim Curtin, which I love when I see a team put trust in a coach because, like, MLS is so weird. You, I've, I feel like people need at least two years, unless you're just screwing it up. You need at least two years. So I love the fact that they gave Jim Curtin, like, multiple years to make this work. They're a fun team to watch. Um, I just don't know that they've replenished the troops like we did. Um, I know every team is going to want a gun for us because, you know, we're defending champs, but I do think we win 2-1. I, I think that we're just overall better than they are right now on paper.
1: And this could be the last time we play the Philadelphia Union in historic Cruz Stadium.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's, we're, not, we're not trying to take L's at the, at the whole stadium. We want to, like, you know, close this bad boy out on a high, you know?
1: That's right. All right, so, Mike D., before we close this thing out, do you have any final thoughts?
0: Uh, Ty, just, you know, from everything that we've talked about, uh, especially from the beginning, first I just want to thank you uh, for coming on MLS Gone Wild, being a part of this. Very interesting to hear what you have going on and the strive for change uh, that that you have, uh, as well as trying to give people a voice to, to be a part of that change as well. So best of luck to you. Um, and we wish you all the luck. Appreciate it. One last thing, go crew, baby.
2: There it is. Hey, this is gonna be a fun, fun year. I'm excited to see uh, what they do. Like just overall, I'm excited for soccer to be back in general. But this team is gonna be special. Um, we were special last year. We're gonna still be special. Um, really excited. Like, I right now I'm probably not even showing how excited I am. I'm really freaking excited for the season. It's gonna be crazy. So. All right,
1: cool. Well, Ty, we opened this thing up with something positive with you telling us something good. I want to end it on a positive note. Yeah. going to give a little friendly banter to our guys down south in the Hell is Real Derby.
2: Okay.
1: FC Cincinnati just got skunked 3-0 by Louisville FC, their old USL rivals. How do you feel about it?
2: I mean, so if I'm a player, if I'm a player, I don't care about it because it's preseason. You're trying stuff out. It's mostly like you're figuring out um, movements and formations and stuff. It's not really that much. But from a fan point of view, it's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. And it's funny, I think I posted on Twitter about the team admin scoring. First of all, we have to remember that actually, that guy's actually kind of a legend. Um, he's actually played a lot of games. So it's not, like, it's not like this team guy who they hired out of college scored on him. This is a guy who played in USL. He's actually doing a dual role. Um, but it's, it's, it's ironic that Cincinnati just finds ways to just look ridiculous. Um, to be honest, Cincinnati, I, I said this as well, I'm scared for when they do get good because they're going to like be the same way. They're going to want to bring the pain to us. So we're going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy them crapping out. Um, enjoy their beautiful new stadium. That's going to be dope. But the kings of uh, Ohio are the black and gold. I'm sorry. And that's just the way it's going to be. That's the way the rules are. I didn't make them. Just the rules. So go from there.
1: Preach. All right. Well, <laughs> Ty, Ty, I want to personally thank you. Like Mike D said, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for what you're doing for the city of Columbus, my hometown, your hometown. Um, you're, you're making a big difference there. Continue doing that. Continue pushing the envelope and advocating for all of the unheard voices around Columbus and everywhere in that surrounding area in the Midwest. So Ty, thank you. Listeners, thank you for tuning into our third and final installment of our MLS Supporters Group miniseries featuring Nordecas' Ty Phillips. In exactly one month, the defending champs will take the field for the first match of their 2021 season. Until next time, stay wild, but stay healthy. Peace out.